0: Really good to be with you this morning. Are you all alive? Raise your hand. This is good. This is really good. Well, I'm looking forward to this time this morning. Um, we've been doing some things lately, and uh, Pastor Gilbert talked a little bit about last week how it was we had a group of people working on mission, vision, and values. Remember? Okay. And uh, I wanted to tell you this morning that uh, m- mission, vision, and values are some of the most important things that we can talk about at the church level, and I wanted to share with you something this morning that I wrote for you. Um, you have to take it as mine. I, hope, I believe God gave me a, a lot of help in doing it, but this is not your church writing this. This is something that I wrote, but I wanted to give you some idea of what you could do if God gives you a vision uh, in your church, something that you can possess something that you can feel as your own something that you can find yourself in so listen to me as I share with you a little bit about um, what I think this church is about we see a church that is driven by God's vision to be bold and do whatever it takes to build relationships in Lamore and the surrounding area for Christ pretty cool We believe it's a place where people with no church background can come and feel comfortable and enjoy the service because the atmosphere will be non threatening and friendly, where the sermons are practical, biblical, and relevant. The music is contemporary and upbeat. Thank you, John. We see a church that is fun for the entire family, a church where kids want to go because they have a great time in experiencing God's love. We see a church that builds families as we find them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We see a church that reaches hundreds of teenagers for Christ and accepts and loves those teenagers just like Jesus loves them. We see a church where Christians can grow in home Bible studies and classes offered by the church and where health and relationships and service are given high value. We see a church that helps every member find their ministry and provides opportunities for them to use their gifts and their abilities to meet other people's needs. You see, we see God doing a new thing. God's constantly doing a new thing. When you came into the family of God, he was doing a new thing. When he answered prayers in your life, he's doing a new thing. God is constantly doing a new thing. In fact, Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Shall I read that again? I like it. It says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Can you imagine a God that does that? He's not affected by the past. He's always doing a new thing. You can be a part of that. I think that's exciting. We see it. We see it, and I got a bug here. We see a church that raises up over 16, uh, 600 members who form a cadre of love and compassion serving and meeting the needs of people in our community, our church, and the world. We see a church that lifts up the good news of hope and uses technology to share Christ with over 15,000 people in the Moore and Hanford area. I believe, from my experience, I believe that all of these can be accomplished. There are two things that it takes It takes Christ working in the church and empowering the church to do these kind of things. And it takes you to becoming fat. I'm just teasing. Faithful, available, and teachable. Huge things. It means that we should respond to what we know about God. You've sung all about his awesomeness, yes? And that awesomeness is important to us. And we stand and we lift hands. And and we share the enthusiasm that we have for an awesome God. Share also the enthusiasm that you have for a God-loving people who choose to follow him. That's the hard part. It's really hard when God calls us and, and to follow him, to say, okay, Lord, I, I will do what you do. I will say what you say. I will, I will follow you. I will become for you your hands and feet to accomplish the mission and vision that you have for this church. I, I think we have to spend more time praying about that than we do just about anything else because I'm just an ordinary person who finds himself from time to time, as my wife said this morning. Stepping in it. How about you? Do you step in it? See... Celebrate Recovery is a group of people who have loved the Lord in a way that they're sharing with other people how it is in, the, in their hang-ups and, and in their disabilities, in their, in, their, in their hurts, in their sorrows, in their struggles, in their life, living life according to their own pattern can come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and can follow him and that he will make changes in their life. And you know what? The success of that is based on the fact we see God working. God's always working. Yeah, I, I, I think that's good. I, I really think that God is also working in our lives, but we have to give him permission. Not just singing about his awesomeness, but actually saying, Lord, For I look at my life, I, I've given it somewhat of an assessment, and I've come to that place of realizing I'm not yet like Jesus. We can pretty much all say that. I'm not yet come to the place where I can say I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus to you. I'm Fred to you, and I make mistakes just like everybody else. And I have to go to the Lord, and I have to say, Lord, will you forgive me my mistakes, mistakes and you, will you deal with me? Will you strengthen me? Give me the resources that I need to do what you call me to do because in and of myself, I'm not strong enough. Calling on the Lord is an important thing, I think, for all of our lives if you're going to rise to the challenges in your life and go to a new level and God's hand of favor is strength is upon your life, it all starts with vision. It it all starts with a vision that God is giving you on how you can meet the needs of people. You've got a huge group of people around us. I I don't know, is there 45,000 people or so between you and Hanford or even more? You will be more current on that than I am. And you will know that out of that, it's said that about 60% do not follow Christ. That's probably conservative. And, and what I would tell you is that if we're going to find them following Christ, it's because you and I have chosen to follow Christ ourselves and have come to the place of realizing they are important to us. They are valuable to us. They are encouraged. We are encouraged by them. And so in, in those statements that I made to you a little earlier, find that there's, there's one word that's being used often, relationships. My Lego is pretty full. How about yours? Is your Lego pretty full? I've got you know, a lot of friends. I've got a lot of acquaintances, a lot of people that I, that I minister to. And it's really hard to, for me to think about dropping a few of those off and so I can add a few that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I found is that where I have a desire to follow him and where I have a desire to do what he asked me to do, he gives me the strength and the encouragement to do just that very thing. The Holy Spirit comes, does His work in me, and I go away with a happy smile because I realize that it's not me doing it. Do you know how you can tell whether or not it's a God-given vision? How can you tell? Can you tell? One of the main indicators is that you can't possibly do what God is asking to be done in his mission by yourself. This just couldn't be you. This has to be something that God facilitates, that God works in our life, that God provides. You've come to a wonderful place in the San Joaquin Valley. You you have a ton of people coming to church, over a thousand-ish. And I'm excited what God's done already in your life. But for you to have 2,000 or 3,000 as it relates to your community is really nothing. You, you have the opportunity to share Christ and do some marvelous things and see new people coming to the Lord on a regular basis. Oh yeah, but he's going to ask you to do some things. I, I had someone sit with me this morning who said, he's been after me to do this for a long, long time and I've resisted. And I thought, you know, that sounds like me. He asked me to go into the ministry a lot. And it was because my mother prayed and, and said, if, God, if you save this kid's life, he was about two years old then, that's me, and I had, and I had asthma, and, and I was really sick and could have died several times, I, I will pray for him until he goes into full-time Christian service. And I didn't want to. Never thought about that. I was very happy with where I was going. But God did some marvelous things in my life. And now, 45 years of ministry experience behind me, I can see that what she was praying for, God answered. And that's an exciting thing. It can happen to you. Not not necessarily 45 years in Christian service, but seeing God work in your life in such a way that you change other people's lives. You are special. You are important. When you have no clear vision, when you fall into a rut of meaningless existence, where you're not really living, you're just existing, where you're empty on the inside and you die just a little bit every day because you're not seeing the active working of God in your life, it's an amazing adventure. When I see a church with no clear vision, I realize that it's an organization that's on the path towards dying, and my heart bleeds. But where there is a clear vision, the people flourish. Where there is a clear vision, relationships flourish. And in your church organization, it's, it's amazing to see that when you really know the vision, your organization, you as individuals flourish. You get excited about things. You don't come to church and just sit. You come to church with the understanding, if I go to church today, I'm gonna be tanked up and ready to work tomorrow. This is just a place where God meets me and he fills my heart with a sense of passion about the people that are around me. And what's one of the strengths of vision? When we have a vision, there's a passion for what you're doing for God. You can't get excited about it. You can't help but smile. You can't help but follow up. You can't help but do what he's calling you to do because you're anxious. Okay, so if you took my motorcycle away from me about 10 years ago, I'd have been really depressed. I had a passion for riding. You know how passionate I was? It was 105 degrees, and I rode back from Sacramento on the bicycle in the heat of the day, and I had blisters all over myself. And my wife says, why do you do that? And I says, well, I, I love it. I really I have a passion for it. I enjoy it. So she put stuff on the blisters, and I was better the next day. We don't think of it in those kinds of terms. The passion that we should have for what God's calling us to do. When God's calling you to do something, you have to answer. When you have a passion for what God's calling you to do, you see it changing your world. When you have a passion for what God is calling you to do and be, it changes your life, your relationships. Everything about you changes because you start to get, it, get passionate about what God is calling you to do and be. Not only passion, but a focus. To have a vision means that we have a clear focus. It has a focus so that we can understand the difference between this is what we're doing and that's what we should be doing and how God can get us from one place to the other. A clear vision creates focus by providing an end against which we measure all that we do. Vision helps us to say yes to the most important activities and no to the rest. It gives us creativity. Many of you have gifts out there that you're not using. Maybe you sense that the church doesn't want you to use them. We have a guy in the Selma church who, who paints. And he comes at the middle of the service, and he, he already have acquired from the, the pastor where the, the pastor's going. And during the service, he will draw a six-by-six six painting as it relates to what this pastor's preaching that morning it's exciting it really is exciting and he gets excited because his passion is working fulfilling the mission of the church and we have some other churches where people actually dance oh I'm and in the dancing they support John and the ministry of the worship team and it's exciting to see what God is doing in them as they interpret the songs that are being sung there's a passion about it. And we use the gifts that are made available to us. And that creativity comes out. Talent, fresh ideas, new ministry initiatives. They throw through God's vision for this church. It's an exciting thing. There's a problem. Can you imagine what the problem might be? The problem is that we, we mess up. We sin. The problem is we step in it. The problem is that, that we get into situations that we're embarrassed about, that, that we're hurting over, that we have troubled other people with, and, and that fogs our view of God's mission and vision. Hmm. As we are familiar with those things, we get down and our head goes down. And we're not looking at God. We're not looking up. How many have spent some time this week looking down? How many have been in a relationship with someone else and our head has to be down a little bit? How many have gone through life and done things that you know would aren't endearing to God? And your head goes down. We do, don't we? Pretty much all of us, if you're truthful, if you've assessed your life. You've said things to other people, you've done things to other people, done things to yourself that are not complimentary. to what God is calling you to. And looking at our past failures, we start looking back, and we revert to old ways. You know, we're all going to experience failures in our life. God wants us to turn around. He wants us to look up, looking up at His power, and He will begin then to clarify the vision in our life. Looking up to a God that loves us so much that He will allow us to stay the way we are begins working in your life from the inside out, changing those things that are honorable to Him and to yourself and others. God does a great job in that. God has to do something drastic many times to get our attention. I don't like to see the bad things happen, but sometimes those bad things happen and it calls our attention back to God. Moses was an interesting person. Are you familiar with him? Yes. How many know Moses? Quite, almost everybody. Mo, Moses was interesting in this, that when he was born, he was born in Egypt. Yes. Yes. He was born to Israeli parents or Jewish parents. And at the time that he was born, it was stated by the Pharaoh that every new baby boy born into Jewish families was to be killed because they were getting so strong and they were impacting their, their, their community. And, and so he wanted, to, he wanted to thwart that. So can you imagine giving a decree that said all babies that were born a boy had to die can't think of that i just i don't have a box to put that in so his mom wrapped him up in things and he made a boat for him and 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 put him in the king's river well it's like that would you think of doing that with your own child she put him in the nile which is even bigger I think it doesn't say, but I think that she knew that every once in a while, the princess of Egypt, the, the, the daughters, uh, the, the Pharaoh's daughter would come down to the water to wash. So she put him in an area where they would come. And sure enough, after a couple of days, they showed up. And how many of you have grandparents? I mean, how many of you had grandchild, you had grandchildren? If you have grandchildren, how many of you had children? Are they the second cutest kids you've got? No, every, every one of us think we've got the cutest grandparent, grandkids. We, we do. I'd vote for mine to be the cutest. And she looked at that, that little baby in that basket, in that little boat that mom had made, and she said, that's a cute little baby. I'm going to take that back with me. And so she did to Pharaoh's house, and he was raised in Pharaoh's house as a prince of Egypt. But he still had a love for his people and after watching enough go on in the life of his people who were beat on a regular basis if so they didn't use the straw to make enough bricks he killed one of them. And as a result he had to run. And he ran into the wilderness and he landed in the area of Midian and he was a part of a, became a part of a family there and you know what he did for most of his life at that point? What did he do? Anybody remember? He took care of sheep. Have you been around them? Stinky little things. They have kind of a mind of their own. They can constantly get in trouble. If one goes over a cliff, all of them will follow. They're crazy. And, and here is a guy who's, who's got, as it were, a degree from Harvard. <laughs> Not, but close to it, being a prince of Egypt, tending sheep in the hills of Midian. And the Lord shows up. God shows up. And how do we know he showed up? There was a bush that was on fire, and it was burning hot, and it was burning strong, it was burning high, but it wasn't being consumed. And he was kind of freaked. And he went over to see what was going on. And as he got started getting close, there was a voice that came out of the bush. And it said, Moses. I don't know if it was like that, but similar. And it was serious enough for him to say, yes, I'm Moses. And the voice said, Moses, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. I'm present. God is present, I'm the God of your forefathers, take off your shoes, it's a holy place to stand. And so he did that. And in the process of things, from Exodus 3, we understand God called him to do something. He had a mission and a vision for him to accomplish. The mission was to go back to Egypt. The vision was to free the people and bring them out of Egypt into the Holy Land. Now, do you know what Moses said? I don't, I don't speak very well. Don't you know, God? I don't talk very well. Don't you know enough about me? If you're the God who you say you are, certainly you'll know I don't speak very well. Have we ever made excuses like that? In doing something that God called us to do? Have we ever said, I'm not prepared yet. I'm not ready yet. Just a little bit more education, I'll be able to do that. Can't teach kids, don't really like them that much. Can't really speak very well. Give me an opportunity to speak better and I, I, I will go, but I'm not now. Don't, not me, somebody else. And God had an answer for every one of those statements that Moses made. He says, Moses, I will provide the words for you. You don't have to worry about speaking. Moses, I'll provide the fact that you're, that you're worried about how people are going to receive you. Moses, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to take care of you in every instant so that you can do what I'm calling you to do. And do you hear that? Are you hearing that? See, the Bible is there to encourage us and put us in the place of understanding that many times we are... Hearing from the Lord directly as he gives information to Moses or someone else. And we believe he knows who you are. We believe he knows your name. We believe that he knows not only your name and who you are, but what you're about. What you've been through. Where you're going. He knows more about you now than you he'll ever know. And he says however you perceive yourself in doing what I'm calling to you to do, know this, I will always provide the resources for you to do what I call you to do. Anybody say amen to that? I'm serious. I'm not playing with you now. There's no excuse not to do what God's calling you to do because no matter what, he's going to come along with the resources. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. The Holy Spirit has been given to all of us who are believers in order to provide for us the resources that we need to do what God is calling us to do. But, but, it's a bad word. I don't like that but. I'm not talking about posterior. I'm talking about any excuse that we use to keep from doing what God's calling us to do. Moses finally gave up and said yes. Aaron came along to satisfy the things that he couldn't do. They went back to Egypt and they, they showed some marvelous miracles that God had ready to perform through an old staff, an old wooden long handle with a crook on it thing. God said, I, I can use whatever you have. He says, Is that staff important to you, Moses? Is that important to you? I ah, use it for security, for protection. He beat off old animals with it, encourage the sheep, help lift them up when they got into a, a position of being uh, down because their, their their wool was so thick. Cast sheep. He says, All right, if I can use that. Then throw it down, give it up, throw it down. So Moses threw it down. When he threw it down, it became a snake, a poisonous snake. Then God looked at Moses and said, pick it up. And I'm thinking he's a little wacky. (laughs) I'd be about then, I'd say, is there any other God up there? And Moses really questioned, how am I going to do that? Grab it by the tail. He grabbed it by the tail, and what happened? It returned back to his staff. But but God, but God was working, and He He was already working in Moses' life, and He in essence was taking all of the poison and all of the uh, uh, that portion of of of, of Moses's life of fear away, and from then on. The uses of Moses uses the staff and carries out wonderful miracles. Can I tell you something? What do you have that God wants you to give Him? What is it that you're still clutching? Was it? What is it that you're still holding on to? What is it that you have a hard time letting go of? Everything is His given it for us to use it was was the most amazing thing when finally Jill and I got to the place we could say Lord the resources that you've given us I give them back to you the hardest thing for me to give up was the tools in my garage seriously because guys would come over and want to borrow my tools half the time I never got them back half of the time they were broken when I got back and he said, I'll take care of you. I'll supply it. I'll, I'll make it possible. And he has always done that. My garage is full of tools. Full of a lot of other stuff too, but tools. Because God is wanting me to use those to benefit the people in my, in my block so that I could have a time when I'd share with them Jesus Christ. Many times they'd walk over and say, we borrow your lawnmower. No problem, go ahead. Can can I, can I borrow your spark plug tool? No problem, glad to have you do that. And I'd get a chance to share with them the love of Christ in the process. God is so good that way. He has a vision for our church. Building relationships in this community that they might find the love of God Giving this community an opportunity to meet people who will be willing to tell them how they can come into a relationship with a God who loves them and cares for them. A God who died on the cross for them. A God who has continued to work in their life. A God who has given everything that he has. Can you imagine your own son to die on the cross for us? Amazing to me. And now, because we're passionate about what God is doing, we say, Lord, I want to be available to carry out my portion of the vision to help the mission that you've set before this church. And he's looking for you. He's looking for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and, you and yous. Looking for you not just to worship his awesomeness, but to say, God, I want to follow you and do what you're asking me to do. Not just that I I believe in an awesome God who has sent his son to save me, which is a wonderful thing. But God, I, I want you to help me assess my life so that I know you're more worried about character than you are comfort, but help me develop the character that you want me to develop. Help me to become like your son. It's what he's saying to us, and and we're stopping short. We're 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 in lo- we're loving the awesomeness, but it's not so easy to love the followingness, the going after himness, the doing what he says stuff. Not so easy. I'm there with you. Okay, I'm I'm not alone in this. You're you're all you're all my assistants. You find that it's difficult to make decisions for Christ often, but I guarantee you, having made a decision for Jesus Christ and chosen to follow him and taken on his mission, being part of the vision, you'll never be the same again. My kids, as I told you before, take pictures when we're on vacation. They all watch those pictures at night. And in the watching, they look for somebody first. And what I found is, as I, I talked to them and as I watched them, I realized, as you know, they look for themselves. They want to see themselves in the pictures. Sometimes it's nostrils, sometimes it's armpits, belly buttons, you know, butt shots for the, the real liberal ones, kids. but they're still looking for themselves. In that, I realize that as we talk about the mission and the vision of the church, as we talk about you fulfilling your proper place in doing what we vision the church doing to carry on God's mission, you're going to be looking for yourself. I want you to find yourself. I want you to be in the picture. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to bless the Lord by being a part of it. I want you to, like your song said, to give you your whole heart. Give him your whole heart. Give him your whole heart. And encourage us all by doing it. And encourage us by praying. And encourage us by working out the vision. Loving Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for your great love for us. I thank you for the, all, all of the marvelous miracles that you have done in our life that describe how powerful and how awesome you are. You've called us to follow you. And right now, in this place, we make that promise. Lord, and you can make this with me. Lord, I promise to follow you, to do what you do, do what you ask. Go where you say, I will follow you. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. You've been given a um, card, right, like this one? And you should have filled it out. Naughty you if you haven't. It's an opportunity for us to be praying for people that do not know Christ. And in, and in the Christmas time when it's politically correct, to be able to invite them to come to church and to find the Christ that you and I have found. Make sure that you have a card like this. Make sure that you have names on those cards of people that you know in your circle of influence That you pray for. One one of these is, is a lady who works in a cafe that I go to on a regular basis. One of these is my own grandson. One of these is part of our extended family. And one of these is a person that that extended family knows who they've asked me to pray for because that person is struggling. If you know someone like that, Get them on the card to be praying for them. God will begin to work on them. He's really good at it. I tell people as I like counsel, you know, one of the things that I found out is if God can soften the Pharaoh's heart, he can soften anybody's heart. And he can. So even if you've got somebody in your life that you think, oh, he'd never be able to touch that person, stand back. That's when he does really great miracles. Have a wonderful week.